Today I'm going to preach a strange sermon. It is a sermon that no previous generation of preachers has ever had to preach on a subject that no previous generation has ever had to address. It is a subject so absurd, so strange, that I really can't even imagine the the preachers of 100 or 50 or even 20 years ago considering where we are at today. I think their minds will be blown if we tried to explain where we have arrived at today. This subject, as strange as it is, as weird as it is, it will be hotly debated and by many will be wildly accepted and approved of. And I can tell you it already is. Today, this morning, I expect this sermon to stir radical hatred in the world in the day in which we are living. And yet I want to tell you this morning, dear friend, it is a message that must be delivered. More than that, it is a message that must be heard. Because while the details today are wildly changing, be sure this morning the issue is still the same. It's about sin and its Savior, Jesus. This morning we're going to continue our sermon series. We're actually going to conclude our sermon series, Timely Answers to Tough Questions. Timely Answers to Tough Questions. Today our last question is, what is the Christian response to transgenderism? What is the Christian response to transgenderism? I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me for a word of prayer as we begin this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for truth. I'm thankful for the Savior of that word, Jesus. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin. I'm thankful for restoration, redemption through the finished work of Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for hope that stands today, for peace that endures today. I'm thankful for even joy in a world that's spinning out of control. Lord, I come at this time and I pray asking that you would speak. And I pray, Lord, that you would lead your people this morning, that you would guide us through your word, that you would convict us through your word, that you would grow us through your word. And I pray we'd be changed in this hour. Lord, I believe it is a a big hour. I I believe, Lord, it it is a pertinent hour. I believe it is a critical hour. And I pray again that you would move, that you would work. I pray the fruit of it is that you would be known, that you would be glorified Lord, and that you'd be pleased. And I pray in this hour, if there's any listening that do not know you, I pray that any hindrance to their hearing the gospel of a risen Savior, Lord, I pray that that hindrance would be removed, and I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come on this day and we tell you, yes, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And we thank you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start off this morning, and I'm going to tell you, it's a very big statement, but I'm going to tell you today, today I believe the subject of transgenderism is the most important issue the modern church has ever faced. Now, when you hear that, that is a big statement. That is a bold statement of all the things that that the church is facing. I believe this 
subject of transgenderism is the most important issue the modern church has ever faced. I believe its implications are farther reaching than we can even imagine. I wish we had eyes to see all of that, but I, I believe its implications are farther reaching than we can even imagine. Now, what is strange is that we, I, probably would not have said that three years ago. Isn't that crazy? I, I, I don't think I would have said that five years ago. For sure, I would not have said that 10 years ago. As you know, it is an issue that has exploded in our modern culture. You watch the news, you look around, you survey the culture we're living in. It is an issue that has absolutely exploded in our modern culture. This year, this year, males competing as females are accepted and approved by the NCAA. They are competing actually at all levels in swimming, in tennis, in track, in field, in gymnastics, in cycling, in wrestling, in powerlifting, many other sports as well. In all levels of kids' sports, in high school sports, even here in Texas, in college, and at the professional level. Now, they're not just competing. They're competing. They're winning. They're actually setting records. Can you imagine that? A female record that has endured, that's been established, is replaced by a male. This year, males acting like females, and to a lesser degree, females acting like males, they are standing in pulpits, they are on city councils, they are on school boards, they are on state legislatures, they are members of corporate boards. They practice medicine. They are the mayors of cities. Now, not just in California and New York. Sometimes we think, well, those liberal areas, that, of course, would go on there. In Oklahoma and Texas and Montana and Arizona and Alaska and Pennsylvania and West Virginia and Virginia, it's, it is everywhere, absolutely in every state. Well, it won't happen in Texas. Listen. It's happening in Texas. This year, the White House Award Women of Courage, one of its recipients was a man acting like a woman. That award was presented at the White House this year. This year, USA Today, Woman of the Year, you guessed it. It is a man acting as a woman. You remember our deputy director of the Department of Health and Human Services. He goes by Dr. Rachel Levine. He is a man. He is acting like a woman, dress, makeup, and all of that stuff. He is giving advice. He is advising medical law and policy for the United States of America. Now, listen, that's crazy enough. Let me tell you this. And he was approved by the Senate of the United States of America. Last week, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, he said, you can go look it up, he said it is almost sinful and cruel to not allow puberty blockers and sex change surgeries for minors, causing both of those irrevocable damage. 
He said it is almost sinful to not provide those things. Now, as I list all of that, listen, I could have gone on for 30 more minutes. As I list all of these things, that's overwhelming. I listen to those things. I think of the absurdity of those things. That is unspeakable. That is unreal. Can you imagine where we are at today? And let me tell you, the craziest thing is this. Here are these things, and they are happening, and they're happening every day, and we see it all around us. The craziest thing is this. It is being accepted and approved and celebrated as right. I want to tell you that's the craziest thing I believe of the whole thing. It is now widely being accepted and it's being approved and it's being heralded as right. To the NCAA swimmer who set the female record as a man, one newspaper, a popular large newspaper, actually said he not only broke records, he also, they called it she, also was breaking records, breaking barriers. Friends, it is an avalanche. It is an avalanche. Well, here's the question this morning. What do we do about that? I don't know. that. I, I think God's led every one of these sermons. I know he's led the timing of them. And, and we come to that this morning. What do we do about that? What is our response to that? Isn't it too big? Isn't it out of our control? Isn't it overwhelming us? Truly an avalanche. What are we to do? What is the Christian response to transgenderism? Well, the first thing we do in our study, if we can, is we label it. Now, I'm going to tell you it's hard to label it because it changes and word meanings change very quickly for these folks. But the first thing we do in our study is to define it. What is transgenderism? What are we talking about when we talk about this issue of transgenderism? I thought about this. I was in my office. I have a picture of my pawpaw there on the wall. I can't imagine trying to explain to him the things I'm about to try to explain to you. It's that absurd. In our day, we are forced to. So let me give you some dev definitions. Sadly, you're going to need to know. You'll hear these words. Sadly, you're going to need to know these definitions. Let me give them to you this morning as we begin. All right, transgender. That is a person. Now, these aren't my definitions. These are the, the standard definitions that are given. Transgender, a person whose gender identity does not correspond, does not match with their sex assigned at birth. Transgender, a person whose gender identity does not correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Now, interesting enough, there are some states that are not recording sex on a birth certificate any longer. I guess it's to be determined at a later date. They will not put an official determination of sex on a birth certificate in some states any longer. Transgender is a person whose gender identity does not match with their sex assigned at birth. All right, here's another definition you're going to need to know. Cisgender. Cisgender. I'll be honest with you, I never heard this till this year. Cisgender. This is a person whose gender identity does correspond with their sex assigned at birth. I don't know, I would call this a regular person, but... This is a cisgender person, a person whose gender identity does, does correspond 
with their sex assigned at birth. One definition said they are not transgender. Here's another word, non-binary. Non-binary. Binary means one of two choices. Non-binary means this. Listen to this. Not solely male or female. Not solely male or female. It is also called gender fluid. Now, I want you to listen to this. They can be either gender at a particular time. I guess they could be a male at 10 o'clock and a female at 2 o'clock. They can be parts of both genders at the same time. That's part of that as well. You can actually change genders. They are not set. It's also called gender queer. That's a word they use. Gender fluid. It's not set. Now, I was trying to figure this out, and I really was, and I read this. If you are transgender, you are non-binary. But depending on how you identify, not what you are, but how you identify, you can be non-binary, but not be labeled transgender. Now, I try to pencil that out. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe you can do better than I can. Here's another word, transitioning. Transitioning to me meant you were moving across town or across the country. Transitioning refers to a person in the process of changing from their sex to their now assumed gender. It could be as simple as wearing makeup or changing their hair early in the process It could be chemically induced or surgical changes. But this person, they are transitioning. They are in the process of leaving their birth sex, going to their decided gender. All right, here's one that's going to mess some people up, English teachers. Pronouns, pronouns. I'm sorry, English teachers. It's not what it used to be. Pronouns now are politically charged words They are word indicators declaring a person's choice of identity or lack thereof. Now, remember that cartoon on Saturday mornings, Conjunction Junction, they never did give us that definition. Pronouns are word indicators declaring a person's choice of identity or lack thereof. Now, these pronouns, they could be gender specific. A he can actually be a he, a he can choose to be a he, a he can choose to be a she, and that goes vice versa. Or they can be gender neutral. They can choose to be ambiguous to their birth sex by being called from a gender neutral pronoun, usually in the third person. And so that person would say, you call me they from now on. When you talk to me or about me or refer to me, I'm to be referred to as they. Now, if that's not complicated enough, there are now, I didn't know this, neo-pronouns. There are neo-pronouns. These are new pronouns that have been invented, devised for this system. You can be what is pronounced as Z, Z-E-E, Z. Z replaces she, he, or they. Now, I thought they was a good word a minute ago. Evidently, it's not. 
He ran away. Z ran away. I'm going to say something. I'm not. Z and I are having lunch later today. Here's another one. Co, C-O, co. It can replace pronouns or it can replace proper names. And so now you've done away with your name. Your name might hint of a, of a, of a sex. And so now you go with the word co. Co went to the store today. I met Co today for coffee. Here's another one. A is spelled E-Y, A. It is gender neutral, yet it replaces female pronouns. Now stick with me. She is A. Her is M, E-M. Hers is heirs. E-I-R-S, hers, hers. She lost her keys, is now, eh, lost, eh, keys. <laughs> I can't imagine walking up on a conversation of co and ear, <laughs> but I, I can say a lot about that. I, I, believe me, I'd like to. Let me tell you this, and this is a true story. Many people today, many professional people today, many academic people today, many pastoral people today are now listing their pronouns, their desired pronouns, whether they decide to use them or not, it helps them fit into the world that we're living. Many medical professionals, they are now listing their pronouns, their choice to be identified with. Now, let me tell you one other thing. We're about to move on. Another item to note, sex and gender are no longer the same thing. In our new world, they have been separated. Sex is based on biological attributes, either two X chromosomes for a female or an XY chromosomes for a male. Sex is based on the biological attributes. Gender is the socially constructed expression of sexuality. Gender is the socially constructed expression of sexuality. Now, I think it is interesting. Only in humans, only in humans is sex and gender separated. And so for a dog or a horse or any other animal, your sex is your gender, but not for humans. It really is too much. It really is wild. I want to go on this morning. If we're to come up with a biblical Christian response, we need to keep asking the question. Here's where our sermon is going. We need to keep asking the question, what is transgenderism? We need to go further with this. These are their definitions. I'm going to give you some as well. What is transgenderism? I want you to listen up. I've broken it down this morning. We need to be sure of these things. Listen very carefully. The first is this, transgenderism is a result. Transgenderism is a result. You sit there and you say, where did this come from? How did this ever gain a hearing? Good grief, how did we get here in our culture? Well, I want you to be sure this morning, transgenderism is the result 
of rejecting God's word as truth and embracing relativism. Now, relativism, if you want to know what that is, it's the idea that nothing is always wrong or nothing is always right. It really is the idea that nothing is actually truly knowable. It is all relative to the situation. That is a growing thought. In some circles, it is a predominant thought. Everything is relative. There's not always a wrong. There's not always a right. You really can't even know what truth is. I want to tell you this morning, God tells us his word is truth. And God tells us the truth is knowable. And as we study God's word, we see he actually wants us to know the truth. And so listen, God says there is a truth. And he says his word is truth. And he makes it clear and he goes to great lengths that we would have and know the truth. Well, listen to me this morning. See this. When you reject God's word as truth, it's not a big deal, is it? Well, it, 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 it seems smarter to do that. Well, it's less offensive to do that. Listen to me. When you reject God's word as truth, you can't define anything. Well, is it that? Well, it could be that now, but it's relative. Well, it might not be that, but that's relative. You can't define a home. You can't define what a marriage is. Look at our world. You can't even define what a man or a woman is. When you set aside the truth of God's word, you can't define anything. And be sure the result of rejecting God's word as truth is transgenderism. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Listen to me this morning. I want you to hear this. Listen to me. Be very sure of this. There are two genders. There are two sexes. And they are set by God. They are given by God. They are defined by God. And that is a biblical male and a biblical female. Today you watch people, and it's weird we're having to start to say a biological male. You notice that? A biological male won the swim meet. A biological male is now whatever, the Department of Health and Human Services, a biological male. I'm going to tell you something. Starting today, I decided yesterday, I'm going to go a step further. And I'm not ever going to say a biological male. Starting today, I'm going to start to say a biblical male is a man. A biblical female is a woman. We're going to go by the, the definition given to us by God, a biblical man and a biblical female, a woman. There's only two sexes. All right, transgenderism is a result. Transgenderism is a result. Let's keep going. Second thing is this. Ooh, listen to this. Transgenderism is a sign. Transgenderism is a sign. What is it a sign of? And I actually had about a half a legal pad filled out on what it's a sign of. But I, I, I was actually able to just keep condensing and I narrowed it down to this. Transgenderism is a sign. What is it a sign of? It is a sign that Jesus is coming again very soon. Listen to me. It is a sign that Jesus 
is coming again very soon. These are the days. Are you listening to me? These are the days before Jesus is very soon to come. Jesus is coming again very soon. Now, I want you to think about something. Remember in the days of Noah, remember in the days of Noah, God's judgment boiled over. I think it's funny. They like the rainbow flag. They don't know what account they're talking about. Remember in the days of Noah, God's judgment boiled over. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 5, it tells us why. And the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Here's what it means. God looked down, and he saw that evilness was rampant on the earth. He saw the hearts of men, and they all they did was think about new ways to be evil, new ways to practice wickedness. And they were considering new ways, devising new ways to practice their rebellion against God. Friends, are we not there today? Friends, are we not there today? Grown men calling for the permanent mutilation of our kids, and that is our president. Are we not there today? God forgive us. God forgive us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Listen to me, friends. I'm convinced we are living in those days. I'm convinced this is a sign of those days. Let me tell you something. I want to be honest with you this morning. I'm fearful the world. I'm sure the world, but I'm fearful even the church is eating and drinking and giving in marriage. As it were the days of Noah. And I'm scared even the church today, we are eating and drinking and watching ESPN and sitting around with a bunch of Kurz light and we're watching the things of the world and our senses are dull and we're numb to the world around us and we're eating and we're giving and marriage and we're drinking while our judgment draws near. Listen to me. You want to know what transgenderism? It is a sign, friend. It is a sign, church. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I sit there and I can't, I can't really understand this. What would it take for people to open their eyes? What would it take for people to open their eyes? More than this, more than this, removing the breast buds of a young adolescent girl, more than that, what would it take? Transgenderism is a result. Transgenderism is a sign. Wake up. It is a sign. Transgenderism, next one is this. Transgenderism is a symptom. Transgenderism is a symptom. 
We've rejected God's word. We're smarter than that. We've turned away from God's good plan. We've got better plans than he does. And the Bible says in the book of Galatians, do not be deceived as you sow what? So shall you reap. Transgenderism is a symptom. It is a symptom of a narcissistic culture where it's all about me. I'm never wrong. I'm the center of everything. It is the symptom of an attention-seeking culture. Think about that. We post here and we post there, and the, the mission is to be seen. The mission of life is to be noticed. Our goal is to be the talk of the town. I don't even care if it's bad talk. Just as long as I'm on your lips, my goal is to be the talk of the town. And the culture we live in screams out, look at me, look at me. This is a symptom of that. It is a symptom of abuse. Now make no mistake, nobody wants to say that. It is a symptom of abuse. Many of these people have suffered abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, and sexual abuse. Let me tell you this, almost all of them have suffered the abuse of being exposed to pornography as kids. Listen to me. Almost all of these folks participating in this, they have suffered the abuse of being exposed to pornography as young children. And maybe that was forced on them. Sometimes it was. Or maybe it was the unsupervision of a parent that would hand them a phone or a tablet or some other screen, anything to keep from talking to them, anything to keep from spending time with them. And their minds are filled with it. Their minds are saturated with it. And then as adults, we stew in the same thing. And it's on the things that we watch. It's on the things that we look at. It's in the halftime show that we defend. It's in the songs that we sing. And we're consumed in it. It's a symptom of abuse. It is a symptom of broken people. It is a symptom of broken people. Their minds are broken. They're mentally ill. They're drug addicted, many of them. Alcohol addicted. All of it because of the sorrow and the regret of sin. And you watch, listen, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's a cry out. Surely, Surely there's meaning somewhere. I hadn't found it anywhere and haven't found it in who I am right now. And surely there's meaning out there. And it's, it's a cry. Surely there's more than this. Surely I'm going to find happiness somewhere. I hadn't found it yet. Surely there's got to be hope. It's a cry out. Be sure transgenderism is, is, is a great form of self-hatred. I hate who I am. Oh, I hate who I am so much. I'd rather be a man or a woman, something I'm not, something God hasn't made me to be. Sign of self-hate. I read a transgender person. They, they may act happy. They may act satisfied. They may flaunt the supposed freedom they have found. But I read a transgender person is 600 times more likely to attempt suicide. They're broken. They're hurting. It is a symptom of a broken culture. Transgenderism is a result. Transgenderism is a sign. Transgenderism is a symptom. The last thing, this is the last one we're going to look at today. The last one is this. Listen very carefully. 
Transgenderism is a test. Transgenderism is a test. Folks, I'm not messing around right now. Listen very carefully. If you claim to be a Christian, if you claim, are you listening? If you claim to follow Jesus Christ, listen very carefully. Do you see the magnitude of this? Listen. Do you see the magnitude of this? Do you see the rapid spread of this? Do you see the speed of this? Do you see what's happening all around us? Listen. Do you see what's happening all around us? Do you see how the world is quickly bending to it? We know better than this. Medical schools are bending to this. Scientists are bending to this. Intelligent people are caving to this. Do you see how the world is caving into it? Do you see how the so-called experts, those in the medical field, those in our government, are actually promoting this? That Rachel Levine, he says it's going to be a common thing for, for our youth. He's actually going to promote that to, to, to have these surgeries. Do you see how this went from being crazy to very quickly being normal to now being celebrated? Do you see this? Listen to me if you claim to be a ch- Christian. Friends, this is the dividing line. A line has been drawn. Hear me this morning. Listen to me. It's not about sexual sin alone. It's not about sexual perversion alone. It is not about vile wickedness. It is about those things. But I want you to hear me. It is much bigger than that. Listen to me. It is the ultimate test. It is the final test. It is the ultimate test. Is God's word truth in this generation? Is there truth? Is there truth? We're looking around. We can't seem to find any. Is there truth? Is there a God? Really, is there a God? Does he know me? Can he know me? Is there a Savior, Jesus? Does he come? Does he save me in his work on the cross of Calvary? Is it true? Is it true? Is there a Savior? Is there hope? Please, God, any hope at all? Is there hope? Right now, listen to me, church. We stand on the dividing line. And either God's word is true and we stand on it and we preach it and we defend it. Either God's word is true or we set this down. We quit talking about Jesus and we be quiet and we go away. Can't tell you about Jesus out of here if I don't tell you about creation out of here. Can't tell you about salvation out of here if I can't tell you about God's plan for sex out of here. Either this is true or we just set it down. We be quiet and we go somewhere else and do something else. Listen to me. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Friends, I want you to understand this is it. This is the test. Satan is raging. His lies, his plan is looming. Church, the question is this. Is God's word truth? Is God's word truth? 
I want you to hear me this morning. Listen very carefully. There is a God. There is a God. And in wonder and power, he's the creator of all things. There is a God. There is a God, and he is the creator of people. He made them graciously in goodness and kindness, male and female. There is a God. There is a God, and when those people had sinned and they turned away from him in rebellion, when they had sinned against him, when they'd earned their punishment and eternal death, there is a God. There is a God, and he sent his only begotten son, his beloved son named Jesus. And he came and he paid for our sin. He endured the suffering of the cross of Calvary. And there he defeated death and he has risen from the grave. Listen to me, not as a fairy tale, not as a moral fable, not as some superstition that we cling to, but in truth. Listen to me, in certain truth today, Jesus has come, he has paid for sin. He is our savior, the defeater of death, the victor of the grave. And he stands in victory. There is a God. There is a God and he's patient and he's kind to us as sinners. I don't know why. I don't know why. He's loving, he's patient, he's kind and desires that none should perish. And he offers us salvation in that Savior and in his truth. Not by any work that we would ever do, but by faith in Jesus. There is a God. Listen to me, there is a God and if you will turn to him by faith today, if you will repent of your sin and you'll turn to Jesus today, that God, he will save you today. There is a God, we were just singing. There is a God, and one day soon, very soon, he's going to set all things right. And sin and Satan will be vanquished forever. And there will be a new heaven, and there will be a new earth. And those who have trusted in the gracious salvation of our Savior, Jesus, they will be in eternal fellowship. Listen, it says, in the tabernacle of God will be among men. We will be in eternal fellowship with our Savior, Jesus, and all will be joy forevermore. Yes, friends, there is a God. And folks, listen to me. We can be sure of that. We can be certain of that. We can be bold in that because that is our hope and that is our truth revealed to us in the truth of God's word. Friends, there is a God. His word is truth and it tells us of Jesus. It tells us of Jesus. So what is the Christian response to transgenderism? I don't know. I think every sermon I'm ever going to preach is going to end with this. Trust Jesus. Preach Jesus. Broken world, you know what they need? Jesus. Those hurting in the messes of sin, you know what they need? Jesus. Those reeling from the abuse of of a messed up, goofy culture, you know what they need? They need Jesus. You know what I need? I need Jesus. The answer for transgenderism is the same for all of us. Listen, trust Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He'll forgive. He'll restore. He'll redeem. He'll renew. You know how I know that? Because his word is truth. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm thankful for your word. And I'm thankful that it is true. I'm thankful that every letter, every word of it's true. And I'm thankful, Lord, that I have hope in the beginning because I have hope in the end and vice versa. Lord, I'm thankful for the Savior of that word, the truth, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those that are suffering in the the turmoil of sin, whatever the sin might be. I pray, Lord, that they would find grace and they would find help and they would find forgiveness in the person of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we as a church would not go silent. I pray that we as a church would see 
This is the line in which we stand. Lord, I pray that we preach Jesus, that we proclaim Jesus. I pray for some in this hour as they hear this message. Lord, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, I'm thankful. As fast as things go one way, we know where our hope lies. I praise you for that. I ask, Lord, in this time of invitation that you would work, that you would lead, that you would move, that you would be known, that you would be glorified. Lord, we tell you, thank you. We tell you we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of invitation. And I want to tell you there's a, a couple of things to decide this morning. First is this. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you he knows you. He sees you. He knows, he knows the state you're in as a sinner, condemned. He came and he paid for that on the cross of Calvary. He has finished it. He said it is finished on the cross of Calvary. He stands as the risen Savior. We're going to celebrate in two weeks a risen Savior. The Bible says if you'll profess that with your mouth, what you believe in your heart, you will be saved. No thing to accomplish, no work to do, no church to impress. If you'll put your faith in the truth of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, he'll save you right now. If you've never done that, do it right now. If you're listening today and you're, you're burdened under the weight of sin, do it today. Settle it right now. If you've heard this a million times, but you've never done it, settle it right now. This is the first time you've ever heard it. Settle it right now. Maybe you're here looking for a church home. If you believe God has led you here, you've prayed about it, you come. And together we'll unite and we'll uphold his truth. We'll stand on his truth. We'll preach his gospel until he comes again. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision, but you've never followed in believers' baptism. And your next step is to come and say, you know what, in obedience to Christ, not as part of my salvation, but as a testimony to it and to my Savior, I want to be baptized. I want the world to know. And then I'll tell you the second response is this. For us as the church today, listen, it's time to wake up. It's time to say God's word is truth. And I don't care what the, the politicians say. I don't care what the so-called experts say. I'm going to stand on the truth of God's word. And it's time for the church to say, not going to listen to that any longer. Not going to, not going to, not going to be rude, not going to be mean, but I'm going to stand on the truth of God's word. And I want to tell you, if there was ever a day for the church to say, this is it, this is our stand, this is the issue. Maybe your response is come pray at an altar. Maybe the prayer there where you see, God, use me. God, help me stand. God, be known in our stance. Let folks find the grace of Christ in it. Maybe that's your response. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. If God has spoken to you, you come on, I'll meet you here.